Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Bree. And today we have with us author Heatherly Bell. We're so excited for you to join us today. How has your 2022 been so far? Thank you. Um, well, it's been challenging. It's It's been a year of changes for myself and my family. So like, I don't want to burn everybody out, but my father did die this year after a long illness. And so that was hard. It was an interesting way to start the year. So I just look at this as a very challenging year for changes. We're all kind of changing and we're just kind of readjusting. We keep going. It's been a tough couple of years with COVID and um, my granddaughter just started um, kindergarten. So that's interesting when children um, are going to school during the COVID age. So I'm kind of experiencing that secondhand. Yeah. 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 So sorry about your dad. Yeah. 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 Well, let's get into some icebreakers. So if you came with a warning label, what would it say? Um, I think it would say that you should watch what you say around me because I am always listening. And so your words might wind up in my book because I love dialogue. And I often kind of use, you know, little things here and there that I might have heard people say in passing. So I'm a good eavesdropper. I mean, I love that. I I feel like you're a writer all the time. So... Exactly. I I love it too because who who doesn't like to you know listen in on a on a conversation? (laughs) (laughs) You might catch something interesting. Well, tell us one internet rabbit hole you unapologetically find yourself down. So does um does Netflix count? Absolutely. All that stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I don't apologize for my Netflix binges. I I get great ideas from watching other shows and characters. So I, I consider it research and time well spent. How's that? I love that. <laughs> okay, what was your last like Netflix binge? Um, well, you know, actually, I, I finished it yesterday. It was this weird show called Echoes. So I can't really recommend it. It's, um, it was sort of, um, I guess it would be called like a, a thriller. And it was about two twin girls. Um, who have a lot of uh, damaging family history. And it was extremely confusing. I don't think it was done very well. So okay, sorry, but that was my last binge. Um, it just fits perfectly with the rabbit hole. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I go down that rabbit hole. I go, okay, so what happens here? No, I got to watch the next one. Got to watch the next one. How does this resolve? And my daughter and I watch a lot of the same shows. Um, she doesn't live with me. So we'll text and I'll say, well, what is going on here with these people? And she'll say, I don't understand. Does this get any better? Because she's, she's usually behind me on the shows. And we'll just kind of go back and forth and say, I don't know. What's this girl doing? This is crazy. I think we've all had those shows that we, we keep watching it, thinking it, it'll get better at some point, but then we get to the end and, and it's just kind of meh. Exactly. That's exactly what I said to her about the ending. I said, meh. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. It's not horrible, but at the same time, it kind of feel it's not. It wasn't very satisfying. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, what have been some of your favorite TikToks to create? So I like to do the page flips because they're so easy, and I don't like to be on camera too much. I have done it a bit. Uh, kind of made a little bit of a fool of myself sometimes. <laughs> I just did a bit. In fact, I just did one yesterday. Um, I was with my mom and we walked into Walmart to find my book and uh, we did find it. So then I decided I'm going to make a TikTok. So I 
filmed myself going down the aisle, finding the book, and then holding the book. Um, and that was fun, but I don't do that too often. Mostly I just create these little page flip videos. It's like, I don't know if you guys have seen it when just basically literally what it says, uh, paging through a book. And then I superimposed texts and things like that over it that tell a little bit about the story hooks and hopefully get people interested. Yeah, I could kind of tell that was your favorite, but we still wanted to ask. I was like, she, it's it's so smart because I mean, it, to really, under, to get what you're talking about, you are watching it multiple times. So for you, that's like more views on the video. It's really smart. I love it. Oh, so I didn't, Yeah, I didn't even think of it that way. But everybody, yeah. uh, the authors that I talk to say those are the, the, the best um, ones to do that, that people seem to like those the best. So yeah. So when you I mean, was getting on TikTok a decision of your own? Or, you know, was somebody like, hey, Heatherly, you have to do this? <laughs> I reluctantly went on TikTok. Okay. So yeah, because I'm just, uh, I'm like, really, another thing. So I really fought it hard. And I had a lot of author friends saying, well, you got to do this. TikTok sells books, you got to do this. So I waited and waited and said, no, not not now, not for me, not for me. So I kind of came at it late. But Harlequin has been encouraging us to do TikTok. They um, have done the research and it is proven to sell books. So you do it. So I do, I do yeah. it and I, and I do it uh, reluctantly, but I still do it. Well, share with us how you became a romance reader. So I was always uh, a voracious reader as a child. And I started with the Cozy Mysteries, Nancy Drew and Judy Bloom, And we had book- bookshelves in the garage that were top to bottom with all manner of books because my mom and grandmother were both uh, book lovers, voracious readers as well. So I would just go into the garage to find a book to read sometimes. And I think that's might be where I first found Kathleen Woody was Woody versus Shana, right? Mm, Which I think yeah. was the first book for a lot of romance um, authors. So it was wonderful. I was completely scandalized, but I loved it. So I kept on reading um, historical romance for a while. That was my first love in in romance. Congratulations on your latest release, A Charming Christmas Arrangement, which I have to ask, did this have a different title at first? Because I was, I, I, I've seen two titles. I saw one with baby in the title. Yes, you're right. You're absolutely okay. right. <laughs> I was like, am I crazy? <laughs> no, no. I think that might be the second time that happened with a book of mine where it had a title and then it was switched. So it was, I think, originally a charming Christmas baby. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I was typing that to you like, when we were doing the questions, we were putting baby in there. And I was like, I went on another, I think on the Harlequin website. And I'm like, that's not the same title. So, okay. Right. Yeah, they changed it. So I don't know why they did. It has something to do with um, whatever in, you know, behind the scenes stuff that tells them maybe there's a book that was too similar in title. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Uh, okay. Switch to that. Well, it's book three in your Charming Texas series, which is fantastic. So talk about the series in general. Like, where did the inspiration come from for the series, Charming Texas? So um, I don't actually remember anything specific about it because ideas just come to me from out of the blue. I'm like a little sponge absorbing everything around me. And sometimes an idea just comes to me. I did want to write a coastal series. And I, though I live in California, I wanted to do something a little more unique 
And at the time I just finished, not long before I had finished binging the old uh, series Heart of Dixie, which is a really, really funny series um, set in the in the Gulf Coast, but um, of Alabama, like Mobile, Alabama. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to write something Southern. And at the time, I didn't think anyone was writing about the Gulf Coast in Texas. So I decided, let's just write this series in Texas. Think of a cute uh, name for a town. Charming just came out of the blue. Um, I thought I'd have a bar like a modern day Cheers, which could be the central setting for residents to meet. And of course, I I needed three former military guys. So I decided they wouldn't be brothers, but they would be like brothers. And that's really all I had. And the Mr. Charming contest just really came out of the clear blue sky. Honestly, I thought, well, if there's a town called Charming, maybe they hold a contest every year for who's uh, the most charming, you know, who's Mr. Charming. And then I thought, well, what if um, this uh, waitress comes in and says, why, why does it, why does it just have to be Mr. Charming? Why can't it be Miss Charming or Miss Charming? And so that that's where it started with that. What can you share with our listeners what a charming Christmas arrangement is about? Uh, well, this book is the third um, Navy SEAL. He's uh, appears briefly in the second book, The Charming Checklist. He Adam is dealing with, he's a widower, so he's dealing with some guilt and grief. He was also the overachiever of the, uh, of the three guys. He won a, won a medal for valor type of thing. He saved at least one of his friends, if not both of them at different times. So he's just a really, he carries a lot of, a lot with him. He expects a lot out of himself. So he has some residual guilt and grief from um, the death of his wife, who he partially blames himself for, a false belief, of course. So um, he and Stacy, the heroine, meet um, one night when he's uh, working in Montana, and she's a writer who is working in Montana as well. They have one passionate night together, and then she kind of writes him off after that. I won't tell you why, but it's in the book. So she winds up pregnant, of course, as you do, accidentally Mm -hmm. pregnant. Um, She doesn't expect for him to want to be involved, but she figures I better, I better tell him. So she drives, she's originally driving from Montana to where she lives in Chicago to be, to live with her mom, who wants to be her support system for this. And they're going to do this together, the three of them. And, uh, but she stops in Charming, Texas to tell Adam that he's going to be a daddy. Well, she doesn't realize he wants to be very involved. And before you know it, she realizes he really needs her and the baby because of what he's going through. They get to know each other a lot better because they didn't know each other too well when they, when the first time they got together. So they wind up living uh, together, sort of like a roommate situation at first. And they decide he wants to marry her just because she needs the health insurance. She's a writer. I made her a writer of thrillers, not romance. And um, spoiler alert, they fall in love. Well, okay, book one in the series, Winning Mr. Charming, was a fun spin on rivals to lovers. And then book two, The Charming Checklist, was friends to lovers with a fun matchmaking element in it. And then here we have like a marriage of convenience, like literally. So out of these tropes, do you have a particular that was your favorite to write? Well, every book is different, right? And the first one, I won't lie to you, is always hard, the hardest to write because you're starting this brand new world. 
and you it's like the setup for this series. So it is always harder to write the first book. But I really do love reunion romances. They are really my favorite. I've written probably in every series, I've written a reunion romance, if not two or three reunion romances. I uh, made Mr. Um, Winning Mr. Charming is also a reunion romance because they were uh, teenage summer lovers. They used to see each other every summer when she would come out to visit her grandmother and he lived there in Charming. Yeah. It was kind of a reunion uh, series for them. So that's my favorite, really, reunion. And it's, um, I have to say, it is really tough to write now, um, because right now I'm kind of writing one about two people that don't really know each other. And I think, gosh, this is really hard, because they really have so much to learn about each other, where if you have a reunion story, there's some backstory between people. And it's a little, it feels a little easier for them to fall in love again, as opposed to two people who don't really know each other. Uh, just falling in love in a matter of a couple of weeks to a month. Yeah. Not to say that that doesn't happen, and I firmly believe it does, but it's just easier to write, I think, about reunions, and there's something very touching about a second chance. So right. I, I really like those. I, I love a reunion story. I love a good one. Okay, so to piggyback off of that before Aaron moves on with the next one, I have a question. So I have a story that's like in my head, and I will one day sit down and actually work on it. But it is now that we've been talking about it, I think about it, like it is kind of a reunion story. So what do you think? Like, what would what is your advice for like introducing the actual history that the characters have? Do you what for anybody that's like trying to write a reunion story? Like, how would you advise them to introduce the history the characters already have? It's best if you just do it in little pieces you know, here and there. So you might start the scene with like, oh, oh, Valerie. Oh, Cole. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know it was that this was because she, he had, she had a different last name because she was married. So surprise, I recognize you. It should be something like that at first, you know, Mm -hmm. recognition, right? And then the reader knows, oh, these two people know each other somehow, but maybe you don't say exactly how right away. So then as you move along, you can very here and there, you drop little tidbits and little pieces of their past. And it's good if it comes up when they're dealing with something that might be similar, right? I remember when you did this when we were in high school, are you going to do that to me again? Things like that, you know, just kind of do it a little bit, little drips here and there, not overwhelming people entirely. I think the curiosity element is the best when you can keep people reading because they want to know now, how did these two people meet and what happened between them? Right. You know, (laughs) I got to keep reading. Yeah. Taking mental notes here. (laughs) Thanks for that question, Brie. Yeah. <laughs> I hope well, that helped. Yeah, yeah, yeah it absolutely did. Definitely. I I'm restructuring some stuff in my in my own head on a story of I, I think I did a little too too much info dumping in, in the front end of things. So Oh good. I'm glad I can yeah. help. Well, going back to the holiday theme, to you, what's the most important element of writing a holiday romance? Well, definitely put the Christmas into it. The very first Christmas or holiday book that I wrote, I wasn't including any of the actual customs that, you know, make up the holiday. So make sure you put in, talk about the lights and the trees and how everyone has special ornaments that mean something to them, family ornaments or um, special uh, decorative ornaments 
you know, things that, that really have a special connection to family. Um, also include town's customs, like the lighting of the town tree, any other special things like, um, you know how sometimes in, in in my neighborhood anyway at Christmas time some houses there's like a whole block of houses that they decide to, we're all gonna go all out and our house is just gonna be filled we're just gonna put a thousand and one lights on it just to see if we see if we can be seen by by satellite you know um, mm-hmm. so I mean I think lights uh, are huge and just just all the customs of the holiday you know even from down to like having um hot chocolate and all those uh, fun things, all the food. I must be hungry. I'm thinking about food right now. That is definitely what I come to holiday romances for. Like (laughs) I want to be mentally transported somewhere where it genuinely feels like Christmas. I live in Texas. It's usually like 80 or 90 degrees on Christmas day. So that is what I come to holiday romances for, for sure. I totally agree with you. Just the smell of the turkey in the oven, bread baking, all that good yeah, stuff. Yeah, I want to feel the like cold wind on my face, like all. Yeah, it's it's incredible. So from what we could see online, you entered the publishing world with your Starlight Hill series in 2014. Tell us what the world of romance publishing looked like as you were entering into it. Well, it was very different, right? Um, I had already published two books under my other pen name, which were also in 2014. And um, with the encouragement of my friend, I self-published all of me. It had several versions before it came to be what it is now. And it was just very much, it was easier to get traction at that time on Amazon. Now I released exclusively in Amazon only because it was easier. Um, I didn't know how to format a book and they will do that for you. And I just felt, well, let's just start here because it's less complicated. And it was just a very different time before Kindle Unlimited came to be. And it was just, um, by the time I, I think I released two books, two months in a row, just because they were ready. And with the second book, it was a hot new release. And I didn't do anything to make that happen. It just kind of happened, probably because maybe it was like a rapid release or something. But I didn't even really know what I was doing promotional marketing wise. It it was just an easier time, I think. So was it, so you indie published it from the beginning? The Starlight Hill? Yes. Yes. That would, that whole series is indie published. Um, I had a series, uh, I had a series under another pen name. I also write as Maria Michaels. I haven't written much. Uh, I just can't, I'm not one of those authors that can keep up with two different pen names very well. So haven't written anything new with Maria Michaels since about 2015. (laughs) So what I do uh, is sometimes, this is what I did with with my Starlight Hill series is I kind of cleaned up the books and I took out any questionable things, just made them really sweet and wholesome and published them as Maria Michaels as the Sweet Life series. So they really are the same books but readers can have a different uh, experience with those. So, And are the covers different? Yeah. Okay. Are. I think that's why I was like, was this published by a publisher and then she got her rights back? Cause it looks totally different from, <laughs> from what we were seeing on like fiction database. So, okay. That's oh, so yes. cool. Yeah. I, as far as the Starlight Hill series, I've changed the covers many times. So, okay. And that's something wow. that um, you do because, you know, things change and the covers that were, appropriate for 2014 or just not for good for 2020 so it is crazy honestly how different the covers look yeah I'm looking at all these illustrative covers that are so popular right now 
And I'm thinking, I don't want to do that. Let's change all the covers. Uh, No, that's expensive. (laughs) Your covers are okay. You're doing all right. Just calm down. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Breaking Emily's Rule was your first title with Harlequin's Super Romance line in 2017. Can you tell us about your journey to becoming published with Harlequin? Well, sure. It's it's a long one. I started back in 2010. Um, and I originally, I thought I wanted to write for Harlequin Love Inspired. Um, I had read uh, Linda Goodnight's book, uh, A Very Special Delivery, it's called. And I've, I've told her this before, but I love that book. It was just so tender and romantic. And without being overly sexual, it managed to get all every all the feels in there and all the emotion in any way. And I thought, that's great. That's really what I want to do. But I um, wrote a couple of books that were both rejected by Love Inspired. I think it's because my voice, as much as I loved those books, that's not my voice. It's just not suited to that line. I think I'm more irreverent. I suppose my voice is a little more irreverent and uh, a bit more naughty, I guess. So I just decided to, you know, switch two books actually did wind up get, getting published by a small press, which were the two Maria Michaels books. And so when I wanted to get a bit more irreverent, I changed pen name, pen name so I wouldn't offend anyone. So I decided let's pivot and try to write contemporary romance just straight contemporary romance with a little heat, just kind of medium heat, but not closed door. And so I started writing uh, Breaking Emily's Rules. And um, it took me probably a few months to write that. And I just started um, subbing to different opportunities. Like Harlequin used to have, I don't know if they still have it, but remember the So You Think You Can Write contest? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So I did submit several times to that. Once with this uh, book and I never ever finaled, but I pitched the original the this breaking Emily's rules, which I called Love at First Flight, by the way, because it's a book about a pilot. And um, I did get several requests. So one of them was my first agent. I signed up with her, and we started kind of just querying all different publishers. And I wound up with Harlequin after all. So <laughs> long way around to get to the same place. Wow. Well, for anyone who has yet to read a super romance, how would you describe that line to them? Well, <laughs> it's like a special edition book on steroids, I guess. I mean, they're they're much <laughs> longer. <laughs> they're 80 they were 80,000 words compared to 60 that we have now as special editions. So that's a lot longer of a book. It's it's meatier. Um, we could have multiple point of views and secondary plots. All of my super romance books, all three of them had three point of views. They didn't just have the hero and the heroine. They also had a third point of view and had subplots, all just all kinds of good stuff. I just loved writing the longer books because they're just more fun to me. Yeah, I'm reading one now by uh, Sarah Mayberry. And I'm like, I I don't know why I kind of assumed super romance was more like heartwarming than special edition. But as I'm reading it, I'm like, this feels very, very similar to special edition. It just feels a little bit more almost women's fiction-ish, which I personally am really loving. 100% agree. Yes. Uh, A couple of people told me that Breaking Emily's Rules had a lot of women's fiction kind of elements to it because it really is about her journey. 
So yeah, I totally agree with you. Super romance. That was a great, great line. I really loved it. Now, can I ask, were you writing for Super Romance when they started to adjust the word count down and then and then back up again? So what I I don't know where I was in that. I think I was came somewhere in that mix because <laughs> here's what happened. I wrote Breaking Emily's Rules at 85,000 words because I swore up and down that that was the word count, right? And I think you're right. I think they changed it right in there somewhere to to 80. And I did not know that. So I wrote the book and it was 85,000 words, which I had to cut 5,000 words. It sounds so painful. Like, where do you even start when you're just like, hey, you got to take 5,000 words out? Like, where? Where do you start? I know. I know it's crazy, but uh, the editor helped me. So we just went through and it was like through the whole, you know, you just can't take out it's not like we could take out a whole storyline or anything like that, right? We kept everything in there, but we just just took out anything that just wasn't needed. So I guess it just came out to be a really, really tight book, but we did it somehow. It was very yeah. cool. Though. I'll, ne- I'll never forget that. <laughs> from then on, I'm like, oh, I am going to know my word count from now on. <laughs> yeah, I will never do this again. <laughs> Well, More Than One Night was your first Harlequin special edition, which released in 2019. As a writer for Super Romance and now special edition, what would you say are any similarities and differences between the lines? Well, like we were just saying, I think Super Romance was very similar to a special edition. They are really stories about family and connections and community. So I feel like the only real difference is the length. Mm-hmm. You know, the super romance were longer and meatier, and uh, you had the chance to have the multiple points of views. And to me, that's the huge difference. And, and that's not a small, small difference. It's, it's huge because you have to get used to a different kind of pacing in a, in a book that's only 60,000 words. Now it really makes sense now, like why you wouldn't need both of those lines releasing books at the same time. I mean, if they're so similar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They are similar. I guess it, the, the length was nice. But I think foot super romance just never really kind of found its footing, I suppose. I don't know. Maybe it was because it was too uh, varied. There were just too many different kinds of books in super romance and readers didn't have the same experience each time. Maybe that was it. I don't know. That makes sense. Yeah. So, okay, tell us how you came to write for special edition. Well, um, there was quite a few of us that were scrambling to find line to write for. And um, I thought special edition was the same kind of book that I was already writing. You know, the stories about families and those complicated connections and the overwhelming love, but they were just shorter. And so that was... That took some getting used to. So I, I, what I did was I put together a proposal to continue the series that I'd started with Super Romance because I only really wrote three three books for Super Romance in the one series, um, and then I had had wanted to continue the series. So instead, we just continued that same series with with a special edition. So I sent it to my editor, and those became the Wildfire Ridge books, oh, of which okay. the first one is More Than One Night. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool that you got your you were able to continue your series that way. Yeah, I I don't think I I'm not sure that a lot of people realized <laughs> that this was a 
the continuing series. They, they, we try to make them all stand alone as well so that you can kind of come in to the series at any point. But I did my best to tell people, well, this is continuing the series. It continues. This baby business was was the last um, one that I did. And um, the heroine had these two really uh, close girlfriends and they have their they have their books in in the Wildfire Ridge series. So there was that that little connection there. Well, what do you enjoy most about writing cowboy romances? Well, <laughs> just cowboys. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's the cowboy. Who, who doesn't love a cowboy? Um, I write the same kind of heroes, whether they're former military or, or cowboys. They're always really stand-up guys who want to do the right thing and are, and are good to women um, and are good to their families. So I feel like sometimes I say I don't really, I'm not sure that I write Westerns as much as I write small town Westerns, if that makes sense. To me, it's the setting that really changes. And it's fun with the, with the horses and the cows. And you can uh, come up with uh, special town holidays surrounding Founders Day. And it's it can be fun. And you just sort of go off in a different direction, in a Western direction. And you've got all this land usually. So that's fun to play with too, is all the land, which is fun. So I don't know. I just love cowboys and uh, I love looking at them. (laughs) Yeah. They, uh, cowboy romances, they were like my first real love when I discovered romance. I just (laughs) loved, I think just growing up, like I wouldn't say my grandfather was a cowboy, but he was definitely a country boy. So just like when I started reading them, I'm like, yes, like I'm just so used to men working with their hands and being outside all of the time. And it just, Mm -hmm. I I think they, I've actually like had a lot of arguments with some of my romance friends that are like, I don't read cowboy romances. And I'm like, they're essentially very similar to these billionaires that we all love to read. They're just (laughs) more outdoorsy working with their hands, you know, like it, I don't know. There, there's a lot of similarities there. I, I can, I just, I think they're fantastic. And sometimes you have the cowboy billionaires like Maisie Yates, right? (laughs) A little bit of everything in there. They are all over the place. (laughs) Okay, so tell us what you would say the hallmark of a Heatherly Bell romance is. Um, I would say that it's a light-hearted, emotional and always romantic read, hopefully with plenty of snappy dialogue. Oh, I love yeah. the snappy dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> and what's what's the what's the key to 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 writing the the snappy dialogue, at least for you? Um, you know, I don't know exactly what it is. I've I've been told that my dialogue is my editors tell me that I have really great dialogue, that it that it's not stilted, that it sounds real like this these are two people talking. I think that um <laughs> I, you know, it, it's sort of instinctive for me. I'm, I'm a very instinctive writer. I think maybe for me, it comes down to the fact that I listen a lot. And so I, I kind of know more or less how people really do talk. And I'm able somehow to translate that in there. I try with dialogue never to be too much heavy handed uh, exchange of information. 
you know what I mean? Like in Mm -hmm. terms of, well, if you have to um, relay some information to the person, be careful how you do it. And and instead of making it sounds like, well, remember when we were standing over there and you did this and that happened and everything that people don't really talk that way when you, when you really think about it, you know, not, not often. So um, sometimes the dialogue obviously has to achieve a purpose, but I guess it's just sort of don't make it quite as obvious. You know, there's like a, a lot of underhanded uh, little subtext in the dialogue where you are saying something, but you're not really coming right out and saying it, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that was a great, a great answer there. Well, are you ready for some round out questions? Sure. Tell us one of the toughest pieces of advice you've ever received. That's tough. I, I can't, I couldn't think of too many things, but I feel like the one thing that I came to is that the book won't write itself, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. You have to spend that time button chair, hands on keyboard. And that's the hardest thing about writing a book is actually writing it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, revising can be a lot more fun, but um, you have to put the first draft down. So you I think it was, uh, you can't fix a blank page. I think it was. So I don't know if that was Nora Roberts who said that or who said that, but it's true. You have to get it on paper. What is one hill you will wholeheartedly die on? Well, here's the thing. A romance must have a happily ever after. The end. The end, period. Yes. The end, yes. <laughs> as much as I feel like members of society would like to change the definition or whatever. Right. We're here with the, we're, no, leave it alone. No. It is what it is. <laughs> right. You can write that stuff, but don't call it a romance. That's all I Exactly. <laughs> I'm fine with them being called love stories, but... But romance is kind of a, a, a sacred title or a sacred yeah. <laughs> yes. genre. It's just the conventions of the genre. And you can't really, you can't change that or you shouldn't change it because readers really do expect that. And they can come, they if they don't have that satisfying conclusion, it feels like you haven't delivered and you've got an unhappy reader. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, if you could be the heroine in a romance novel, what subgenre would it be? Historical, paranormal? Romantic suspense, contemporary, specifically set during the holidays? Probably contemporary during the holidays, because I do love holidays so much. All the pageantry and decorations and the food, of course. So if I am the heroine in this romance novel, I can eat everything I want. It has zero calories in it, right? Right. So that's, because the that's, word count does not need how many calories she consumed, okay? It just exactly. <laughs> needs the food. These are just empty calories because they're in a book and I'm the heroine at this book, so I can eat all I want. Right, right. <laughs> Tell us one of your most recent unputdownable reads. People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. Emily Henry. Okay. I've read all three of them now and I did not read them in order. Okay, so what did you think about what is the most recent one? Is it is book lovers? Bo- book lovers, yeah, book lovers. That was my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that was my favorite by far. I really loved that uh, romance between um, the two main characters who escaped me. Notes: Charlie and Nora. Charlie and Nora. Yeah. Charlie and Nora. Yeah. I do love. I th- I feel like their romance was really kind of epic. It's not. It wasn't at all what you would expect. Um, they start off being so such sort of enemies in a way, and that definitely unfriendly. And then uh, they wound up being 
pretty much soulmates by the end of the book. It's like they were meant for each other. And it was just a lovely, a lovely romance. What's one book you wish you could experience reading again for the first time? Without a doubt, Dorinda Jones, Charlie Davidson series. Now that is Paranormal Romance. I don't know if you... um, I think I've read the first one in that series. It's a long series, right? It is. It's 13 books. 13 books, yeah. And uh, I just, I love that series. I just kept waiting for the next one. And they they came out um, after you, after I caught up with, the series I had to wait a year for the next one and then the next one to come up it came out about once a year so I was very much waiting for that it's just very funny I love all the humor in it and she's just a great author just yeah I do remember it being hilarious like that first book <laughs> yes yeah, yeah it's, it is hilarious and and I'm sorry but the hero Reyes is just the best he's a probably the biggest bad boy of all time. I mean, how do you get worse than being the son of the devil, right? Yeah. (laughs) Because isn't she like, I'm thinking that is this, I'm assuming this is the right series. Isn't she like the Grim Reaper? Is that the same series? Yes. Yes, Okay. Okay. Yeah. Grim Reaper. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know. I mean, I I normally am not a huge paranormal uh, romance reader, but this one just really grabbed me. I think it's because it's set enough in the real world to kind of keep me grounded in a real world. But then there's all these other things that are supernatural that happen in her world. Yeah. So it 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 really worked for me. Yeah. I just, I remember, I don't know, there's something about the whole like mythology and lore about the Grim Reaper. And I was like, it's a, the heroine is the Grim Reaper in this. So I just... I like tore through it. I need to get back into it for sure. I think you'll enjoy it. If you like the first one, you will enjoy the rest of the series. Yeah, you definitely will. Well, is there anything that you're working on now that you can tell us about? Absolutely. I just finished uh, the copy edits for the fourth book in this charming series. It's called A Charming Single Dad. And I also, uh, well, I haven't got, I, I finished writing my contribution to the fortunes of Texas, winning her fortune. That's coming in um, February, I believe. Um, and then March is uh, a charming single dad. And I'm working on the fifth charming book right now. I'm about more than halfway done. And it's it's been a, a difficult book to write for whatever reason. I don't know why. It's just, haven't, I'm having a hard time getting through this book. So I'm just having to push myself every day. Come on, sit down. You can do it. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. It's about a cowboy, a surfer, and a baby on the doorstep. Oh, okay. That's a fun one. So yeah, I mean, it's a fun book. It's a fun idea. But these two people are, and I, I think it goes back to what I mentioned earlier, these two people are pretty much strangers to each other when they meet and they start working together surrounding this baby that's been abandoned. So uh, at first, they're kind of really, they don't like each other very much. There's this initial physical attraction, but they're very much on opposite sides of kind of a social dilemma, which is, you know, the baby on the doorstep, she wants to call the cops. And he says, no, the woman, the mother left you a note saying she'll be back and she will be back. And she's saying, uh, no, she may not be back. And I have to do the right thing. And so they're kind of at odds about this, but then they, they discover their, their commonalities and then they slowly start to fall in love. So this one is really a slow burn, which I think is okay. But at the same time, when you've got a really short book, 
you know, you got to hurry up, get them together already. So, yeah. <laughs> and then the baby being in there, just the stakes are so high. And like you said, they're, they're strangers so that you're having to create that, chem you know, create and build the chemistry and all of that. So I can't wait to see how it turns out. <laughs> Thank you. It might have, you know, by the time I'm done, it may have quite a few uh, revisions to it, but it'll work out. I have faith yeah. in the process. You have to have faith in the process. And have you written more than one in the Fortunes of Texas series? No, this is my first in the Fortunes of Texas, but I did write a one in the Montana Mavericks. Um, last was that last year? I think it was last year. Grand prize cowboy. I got to write about a cowboy. I love well, it. What's it? What's it like when you get the series bible for uh, for those series? Like, is is it just <laughs> overwhelming? Or <laughs> it is. It's so overwhelming. Uh, when I first saw it, it's like, oh my gosh, this is like a, a like a like a novella. I think it was probably twenty five thousand words long. The bible because it just uh, goes back so long, um, and it's been going on for decades, right? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all the characters, their history, things about the town. And they're really good about giving us a lot of information to work with. So good. Well, lastly, where can everyone follow you online? So at my weekly newsletter is the best place, but I'm also on Instagram a lot. Um, I'm a little bit on TikTok. On Facebook, I have a readers group called Heatherly's Bells, where I like to spend a lot of time. I'm on Pinterest too. But I'm afraid I'm not very active on Twitter, though I am there. But it's just been challenging for, for me from the beginning because I don't like to restrict myself to a set, of, set number of characters to tweet. I had no idea what to say to people when it had to be short, pithy, you know? Oh, it's very, it's very tricky. <laughs> yeah, it's hard for a writer figure out, well, well, how can I say this in a very short way? Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today and letting us pick your brain and hang out with you. We have been so much looking forward to chatting with you. So thank you. You will have to come back. Please come back. You'll have more books. We have a podcast where we can talk about them. So please come yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. And listeners, make sure you check the show notes. We will have the links to all the places where you can keep up with the incredible Heatherly Bell. Go get your copy of A Charming Christmas. Christmas Arrangement, book three in the Charming Texas series. If you don't have all three copies of the series by now, you're doing something wrong. You should absolutely go get your copy. It is so good. And yeah, Aaron and I will chat with you all in our next episode. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day.